between the time when the oceans drank Atlantis and the rise of the sons of Arius, there was an age undreamed of. And unto this mass movement, destined to bear the jeweled crown of geekdom upon its troubled brow, it is we, mass movement's chroniclers, who alone can tell thee of its saga. Let us tell you of the days of geek adventure. We're rolling! Oh, Okay, what's up everybody? Welcome to episode 27 of... 27! Aspen Presents, sponsored by Engineer Records. Hope you're all safe and well. Yeah. Uh, so far into uh, 2021. Next to me once again is the Man of Times, my He-Man. My... <laughs> <laughs> how are you, Tim? How's your... Uh... I'm alright, mate. Yeah, you good? Yeah, how are you? I'm good, man, I'm good. Thanks for joining us once again. Uh, we really do appreciate each and every one of you. We really do. <laughs> Chris would really like to appreciate each and every one of you. <laughs> We've uh, skimmed the worlds of geekdom and punk to bring you another pack show where we'll be looking at the upcoming movies to get excited about in 2021. Yep. We'll be looking at the new Thor book and HP Lovecraft's The Festival. Which is released on Kadabra Records. Uh huh. And we'll be taking a deep dive into Hardcore's favourite sons, Terror. Dun, dun, dun. On top of that, all that, we have an interview with one of the most important people in UK hardcore, be it through his writing or his bands, Mr. Ian Glasper. That's the boy. The first oh, of all, like himself. We are mad as hell. We're not going to take it anymore. I'm as mad as hell, and I'm not going to take this anymore. New Year's bloody resolutions. Jesus Christ. New Year's resolutions, yeah. What Absolute shower of shit. What a waste of time. Yeah. New Year, new me, watch me smash it. For a start, right? Any, anybody it. who fucking says let's smash it, right? yeah. I want to stab yeah. repeatedly or hit with a hammer because it's just ridiculous. I hate how these gyms just get a membership. I mean, they, they must love it. Yeah. You know, what all these people sign up? Kitching, like, ching ching. We'll yeah. sign up. Go once. I've no intention of ever going back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Stand the direct debit rollover. Yeah, yeah. Absolute nonsense. I got more of an attitude like there's no tomorrow. You know, you yeah. don't. Tomorrow never comes, sort of thing. Like, you know, yeah. you, you, if you want to do something, do it now. Right. You don't need January first to come along for it. No. You know, time. You know, time is finite. Make the most of whatever time you got and use it to your advantage. Exactly. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Don't say, "Oh well, I'll make this change on next date, or I'll make that change on next date." Yeah. Right? Yeah. Don't. Yeah. If you want to do it, get up and fucking do it. Don't. Yeah. Don't dick about. And you just set yourself up for failure as well. Yeah. Of, you know, especially over the Christmas period, you got all these people. Oh, I'm going to eat myself silly over Christmas. Yeah. And I, oh, I've got to do, I, I did that anyway. Yeah, but like you know, you, and then January first, it all stops. Well, yeah. just. Don't stop at January first. Just you want to bring the weight down. Just do it gradually. Yeah. Do it sensibly. Your body's yeah. just going to go. Do to it shock the right way. Get some exercise. Yeah. You know what you do? www.youpor.n.com. <laughs> right. <laughs> Click on the week's favourite, and away you go. And look at that bicep. Yeah. <laughs> like again, you know, bodybuilders are go-go like. You <laughs> learn to be ambidextrous. Try something different. <laughs> No, it's, I mean, it's true, isn't it? I mean, these news resolutions are yeah. ridiculous. It's a um, waste of fucking time. Yeah, absolutely. My New Year's resolution, I just want to make a shitload of money off my books, so fuck off to my cabin in the woods, <laughs> get myself some decent hookers, right? Yeah. Pile of cocaine, I just fucking crack on with life. Tim's New Year's resolution is that you should all make resolutions to buy his book. Yeah. <laughs> you buy my book, bastard. 
<laughs> you bastards buy my book me get hookers buy all his books yeah both of them both of them and the other two that come out this year yes which we're excited for well yes <laughs> <laughs> no we are yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm just trying to underplay them and downplay them and just be like oh they're coming out yeah. oh I have another book coming out do I yeah. oh I do oh, no, like oh. offer. <laughs> do my best old coward like with a little bubble pipe and a velvet sm- and a velvet dressing on <laughs> I'm as mad as hell, and I'm not going to take this anymore. Okay, so here we are. We find ourselves in 2021. We do. Um, and it's just as shit as 2020. <laughs> yeah. uh, what uh, movies or TV are you particularly looking forward to coming up? This year? Yeah, yeah. Well, June, I really want to see. June is going to be a bit of one of the big ones. Um, I'm hoping at some point I'll get a chance to see Wonder Woman 84. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because um, uh, I would love to see that. There's, um, there's a new Suicide Squad film. Yeah. But that's already been spun off into a series. Yeah. With John Cena. That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And with James Gunn writing it. Yeah. Now I, I, I want to see that more than I want to actually see the Suicide Squad. <laughs> or I would if it wasn't the fact that David Dasmelchen's in it. And, oh, right. Yeah, yeah, he's yeah. Um, yeah. And he wrote one of the best comic books of 2019. I believe um, uh, Peter Capaldi's in this as well, isn't he? Yeah. Yeah, that'd be strange. Well, you know, as nobody knows him, he's going to be one of the first ones to get gacked. Oh, for sure, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Ta-ta. Yeah. <laughs> nice one, Peter, but off you go. <laughs> yeah. I just... So, I, I, it's, I'm more looking forward to The Peacemaker than I am The Suicide Squad. Okay. At the moment, or Suicide Squad, not The Suicide Squad. That's not like some... And there's... Um, ah, so... There's uh, well, the other one I was thinking about. Oh, the Ghostbusters. We sort of we seen the. T- uh, I I really want to see that. Ghostbusters Afterlife. So really want to see that. The, the trailer, the teaser trailer for it's that was immense. Couldn't yeah. give two fucks about the, the fourth Matrix film. I'd rather Keanu focus his time on making more John Wick films. I don't see. Yeah, I don't see the need for another Matrix. It was, no. Two and three were okay, but it, you know. The Matrix then, should have been a standalone film, and that was an end of it. You didn't need two and three. Wanky fucking exposition, don't need it, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, yeah. I think, it. yeah, it was a cash cow, wasn't it? The, uh, yeah. In, the first one exploded, and it was like, okay, we've got to do two more now. Don't so. want to see, I'm not, I'm not sure I want to see Godzilla versus King Kong either. I've enjoyed the, the movies up so, uh, see, so far. This whole, I like uh, kaiju films. I really yeah. like kaiju films. But I like them done traditionally. Yeah, I don't like them having tons of unnecessary money thrown at them, which is okay. what Hollywood's going to do. It's got like a two hundred million dollar budget. Bollocks to that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, make a model of Tokyo, put two dudes in suits, and have them batter the shit out of each other. That's a kaiju movie, right? Well, the end of last year, um, oh, I say the end of what, three months ago for Mass Movement, I I um, reviewed the Gamera yeah. um, box set. Yeah, and killer, absolutely fantastic. Um, a good, I don't know, it must have been about nine hours worth of, of stuff. And it was uh, so. It just proves you don't need all the money thrown. No, you don't need ca- the effects. Like a, a good story is a good story. Yeah, casual films should just be two dudes, rubber suits, big model or whatever, yeah. or something, just battering the crap out of each other. Totally. It should be like a Japanese death match, right? Yeah. With dudes in monster suits. Yeah. <gasps> Trademark, I got my new wrestling league. <laughs> Trademark. Right? Yeah. So here we go. Okay. We build massive dioramas, get yeah. ourselves a wrestling ring, yeah. stick the dioramas in the wrestling ring, death matches with dudes dressed as monsters coming in, wrestlers just dressed as monsters coming in and battering the fuck out of each other in the ring. Absolutely. You tell me that's not a fucking good idea. Trademark, bitches, trademark. This belongs to me and Chris. Like, <laughs> just pay us. <laughs> we finally see the uh, Black Widow. We do. 
Um, I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to that. Yeah, I'm looking forward to that. Yeah. Um, um, Jack, uh, Jack Snyder, <laughs> Zack Snyder's Snyder. Justice League cut. That's going to be. I see. I, how are they going to release that? Race? Is that going to be a cinematic release, or are they going to do that on HBO? I, I, I don't know. Do because it it's HBO Max in America, right? Yeah. Are they going to release it as a film? Or are they going to release it as like four one-hour episodes? How are they going to do it? I, yeah, I think it's going to be. It might be sort of yeah, as you say, four one-hour episodes. Yeah. I mean, whatever he's done to it, it's going to improve that shit show that Justice yeah. League was. Yeah. Because that's just oh my goodness. Yeah. Point. Um, so yeah that's going to be fun uh, we're going to see uh, Dwayne returning Jungle Cruise <laughs> I know you're excited about I am so excited for yeah, it. I love yeah. the Jungle Cruise and I will watch anything with Dwayne Johnson in it yeah 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 huge man crush how could you not have a pet like that <laughs> and the other one I'm looking forward to is uh, Candyman Candyman really? yeah yeah it's uh... <laughs> gigantic no, snooze fest no not no. at all not at all <laughs> Okay, cool. Yeah. I'll tell you what I'm not a fan. Yeah. If you look in the mirror and say his name three times, Candyman comes out and fucks you up, yeah? Yeah, that's right. Okay. Virginia Madsen yeah. looks in the mirror and says his name three times and she survives the entire film. Yeah, yeah. If he was that monstrous, he'd just reach to cut her fucking head off and it'd be done. <laughs> Fifteen minutes in, you know, yeah. proper, proper old school style, chop your fucking head off. <laughs> but he's not. What about anything on TV we're looking forward to? So being, um, towards the end of the year, we're probably... WandaVision. Oh yeah, you which is coming up next yeah, week? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or week after, or yeah. this week? Some points. Yeah, yeah. Um, the, the little Loki trailer for that looks good. The Loki series too. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Falcon and Winter Soldier. Yeah. So down with that. So Marvel are really going to be looking at the small screen rather than the big screen mm. this year more than anything else. Yeah. But nothing's been able to go into production because of you know COVID. Mm. Yeah. Well, that's what I'm looking forward to this Worse year. Worse than the oh. fucking Grinch. Hopefully, <laughs> the end of COVID. Stab me up or I'll go to a gig. <laughs> Come on. See, I'm not so bothered about that. But what? Gigs. Because I've had, because I've had, you know, samples of online shows. I'm quite happy with online shows. Yeah, yeah, I yeah. get to watch them from the comfort of a nice chair <laughs> with a nice either cup of coffee or a nice cup of bourbon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I get to see the band. I get to sing along in my own time. I'm not bothered by sweaty people elbowing you. Sorry, but right. I get to use my own fucking toilet so there's not piss overflowing <laughs> yeah. onto the floor, right? Yeah. I don't have to see some teenage boy desperately trying to finger his first date in, you know, around the back of the club when I come out. It's just, oh, for fuck's sake, right? I don't have to deal with any of that shit. I can just watch <laughs> the band, do their stuff. I can get up and go and sit in the other room and watch a bit of telly to decompress. I'm quite a fan of the lockdown show, <laughs> if I'm honest. Yeah. And my knees don't hurt, neither does my back. I mean, I just missed having the choice, though, you know? Yeah, that, that all sounds No, cool. yeah, I, I do understand the choice. I mean, we've got tickets for shows upcoming. I've got tickets mm. for the Bad Religion tour in June. We've both got Circle Jerks tickets for August. So. Yeah, and i got a ticket for uh, Knuckle Dust's uh, 25th anniversary party. Have you? Whether we go to these, I don't know. No, well, we, nobody knows whether we go to them or not, or whether we, the Brexit deal's going to allow us to go to them. Yeah, exactly. Tory wankers. Yeah. Well, that's a whole other, that, could, that could be a podcast on its own, couldn't it? Yeah. Well, let's not get into that because we don't do politics. Okay, well, let's have a track. If we did, it'd be a big hammer with Boris Johnson. <laughs> <laughs> smashing into Boris Johnson. Yeah, hammer back out. Tim's hammer. Mm. Trademark. <laughs> <laughs> let's have a track, shall we? We shall. Okay, cool. This is Born Infected with Two Faced. Yeah, you are. 
They're on Engineer Records, so go to engineerrecords.com and buy that album now. Woo! Woo! What's up, everybody? It's John Bush from Armored Saints, and you are listening to the Mass Movement Podcast, so blast it! Okay, uh, HP Lovecraft's The Festival. Right, well, see, The this. Festival is, yeah, it's just been released by Cadaver. It's been released, hasn't it? Yeah. See, The Festival is one of Lovecraft's short stories that's really sort of neglected and underrated, and a lot of people don't get into it because it, it follows Lovecraftian convention to the letter okay uh, dude goes to an old family uh, goes to visit family in an old town on the New England coast gets entangled in all sorts of terrible ancient horrors flees the town um, ends up in hospital suffering from madness and then tries to rate his terrible there was nothing there in the first place it's all kind of spooky and yeah. it's filled with all the lovely dripping eldritch language that H.P. Lovecraft yeah yeah absolutely adored but this new version um, really does it justice. So it's like Andrew Lehman from the uh, H.P. Lovecraft Historical Society is narrating the story. Okay, yeah, yeah. Wonderful actor, and he's got an incredibly sort of rich voice, So, which, which just transmits the sort of fear and trepidation that the characters are feeling. Right. And it's got a soundtrack that's been composed by Fabio Fabrizzi. And I mean, I know that if you buy the vinyl version, it's kind of expensive. Um, <clears throat> But it's a massive heavyweight version. The artwork's gorgeous. The booklet's gorgeous. It's not cheap, but you can buy a digital version if you just want to hear yeah. the story itself, which is a lot cheaper. Um, but it's worth it. If you're a Lovecraft fan, this is the stuff you should be listening to. You really should. You, you know, Cadabra Records should be on your wish list all the time. You should just be on Cadabra, Cadabra, Cadabra. <laughs> because they, you know, it's not just Lovecraft. It, it's M.R. James and... and other sort of related Classic stuff. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, they really bring them to life. They do a fantastic job. It's just a weird genre offshoot label that I just adore. So it's a vinyl release as well, is that? It, it's a, it is a vinyl release. It is a vinyl, vinyl release. only release. Oh, vinyl, vinyl only, digital okay. only. Wow. There's no CD, there's no cassette, there's none of that hipster wow. bollocks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And by hipster bollocks, I mean cassettes. Tapes. Trust me, right? <laughs> cassettes, tapes, whatever you want to call them. They were shit in the 80s, they yeah. were shit in the 90s, and they're still as shit now, right? Totally. So, you know, wasting your money and wanking your fucking wallet away <laughs> over a cassette is just bollocks. Pointless, yeah, it's yeah. absolute nonsense yeah 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 I agree but yeah but it's just heavyweight vinyl absolutely superb releases Cadabra Records www.cadabrarecords.com yeah um, and it's the festival by H.P. Lovecraft and it's one of his 
it is, it's an underrated story, but if you want to experience everything that Lovecraft was, it's a perfect story to dip your sort of toes into the okay. Cthulhu mythos and then and dip your, you know, have a little wander around HP's So be, it's like an entry level as well? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, you know, it doesn't include any of that nasty, awful racism that, you know, yeah. he became synonymous with because he was a terrified little xenophobic man. Fantastic writer, but not a great human being. Yes. Yeah, I mean, that's widely... That's Why acknowledge them? Yeah, we've yeah. talked about it before. Yeah, yeah, people yeah. with Lovecraft tattoos who. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh that is Boogies, boozes, trumpets, and losers. Don't touch the fucking vertical. Don't touch the fucking horizontal. Because that's television. This is the Mass Movement Podcast. Take care. Rock hard. Rock heavy. Rock animal. And may your children be born with hair. Okay, cool. So you've read the uh, the new Thor book this quite wow. recently as well. What's that about? Thor becomes the Herald of Galactus, the Devourer King. Wow. Yeah. The Herald of Galactus. The Herald of Galactus. No way. And not only that, right? You find out Galactus Galactus's backstory and what Galactus is scared of. No. The only thing that scares Galactus and how Galactus came to be in our universe when it's beginning. Wow. And six issues, and it is just super. Written by Donny Cates, it's just mind-blowingly good. That is, wow, and it'll yeah. change change how you see Thor and how what Thor's place is in the Marvel universe as well. How you view Galactus. Wow, really? Yeah, six issues. One, it's incredible. That's all up now, is it? That's that's out now. It's yeah, it's a Panini book. The Thor, the Devourer King. Wow, okay. You can get that at W.H. Smith's, or you can literally just click on Amazon and just go, Yeah, yeah. And if, when it says buy now, don't hesitate. Just go, Yes, I will. I shall buy now. Yes, I shall. <laughs> You're very right. Just buy it. Absolutely worth it. So, who's written by? Uh, Donny Cates. Got previous with. He's got previous with just about every character in the Marvel Universe. Okay. He's a, but, you know, uh, most of the Ghost Rider, Punisher, that kind of thing. Wow, okay. That's yeah. really interesting because Galactus is such a. Um, one of those characters that sort of, I just you want to know more about. Yeah, well, this just this just basically fills in all of Galactus's backstory. Amazing six issues, and it makes Thor Galactus Herald, and it shows because it's not been explored before. Galactus. Yeah, but this this takes you in a completely different direction. Right, and it's sort of you know Galactus's need to take life to to sustain his own with Thor's yeah. need to spare life. Ah, uh, right, right. Got that sort of. There's a balance. Beautiful, yeah, that's a beautiful dichotomy between their two yeah. purposes. It's just fantastic. Absolutely fantastic. That does sound amazing. So, yeah. I'm all over that. So, um, yeah, it's fucking amazing. Amazing. Okay, so, yeah, go check that out. I'll tell you what, should we have uh, another track? We shall. Let's do it. She's all dead. Takes her a little while to get up. Crack her little smile she's made up. Well, don't give up. Cause you rock my socks Hang up, don't give up, cause you 
Hey, that was a stay awake. So the new album is out now. Go check it out on engineerrecords.com. Give them your money. Hand it over. <laughs> Hand it over. And just go, hey, Rixie, we're buying your record. And you go, oh, champion. <laughs> well, he won't because he's not Welsh. He doesn't have a Welsh accent. He, just, he wants the scouts to try to do a Cardiff accent. But if he was, that's how he'd tell. But if he was, that's how he'd tell. <laughs> champion, but buys my fucking record there. Hello, everybody. This is Igor Cavalera from Peprick, Cavalera Conspiracy. And you guys are listening to Mass Movement Podcast. So uh, Disney Pixar have done it again, haven't they? With uh, Soul. Soul. Yeah. Oh, my God. It's, um... Did you like it? Yeah. Yeah. And what I want you to expect, it kind of just... I, I knew nothing about the... I didn't know it was coming out. No, it's, it's very different. Yeah. Um, it's not as blatantly stab you in the heart, make you cry, pull on all the feels kind of film. Because no. it is sad in places. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's not desperately sad. It's more, it's more heartwarming than anything else. It's the kind of story I think everybody needs in twenty twenty one. You didn't want something to desperately break your heart on Christmas Day. You wanted something to uplift your spirit, to yeah. make you feel a little bit better about yourself and the world in general. And that's what it does. Yes, very much so. Yeah, it's as you say. It's um, it's it's the movie the world needed yeah. to, you know, to end this. You know, this shit show has been 2020, then we'll look forward to the future. For well, we can sort of look forward to the future with blinking vision because it's still going to be a shit show. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but, you know, we can maintain that sort uh, of Yeah, a more pleasant shit show, a more yeah, pleasant yeah, shit yeah, show. Yeah. Now, now, you know, we've been, been through hell yeah. with this year. We can expect a little bit less hell next year, maybe. How can it get any worse? Hell with a sprinkle of fucking chocolate. <laughs> hell with a sprinkle of chocolate. Yeah. Yeah, so um, that came out on uh, was it Christmas Day or Christmas Day? Christmas Day. Christmas Day, yeah. So brilliant, uh, you know. Actually, I, I, I just it. love the soundtrack, the jazz, that's all the way. Yeah, 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 yeah. Runs all the way through it, and the, the idea that you've got this this bum musician who doesn't re- who you know always looks at the future. Oh, my life's about to start. My life's about to start. We should be living it all the time, and all the yeah. inspiration that he has, all the collective knowledge he's has in his hands, is seen as being wonderful by someone who hasn't had the chance to experience that. It's, yeah. it's all about you know. Don't write off today. Yeah. In preparation for tomorrow, when just you can live the day and enjoy. I think you have. Like we were saying earlier, yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. Tomorrow never comes. So yeah. Tomorrow's not guaranteed, is it? No. Yeah. Sometimes you know, after shit day, you go, oh, you lie down, you go, oh, take me in the night, Lord. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Deep into me, Lord. I've had enough of this. <laughs> One load of wank. But I'm not going out. I'm not going out yet because I told you I'm going out. <laughs> My uh, <laughs> under my fucking rules. <laughs> I'm gonna have to, yeah, hookers, hookers, cocaine in a cabin. Yeah, please shoot us. <laughs> okay, maybe. Please shoot out. Oh, yeah, I haven't decided yet. <laughs> <laughs> what are you gonna do to get to the police shootout scenario? Oh, I, I can think of endless possibilities. Oh, <laughs> I can think of at least seventeen different scenarios <laughs> that have the coppers turn at my door <laughs> in a fully armed response squad. 17 new scenarios, I think. Yeah, yeah. There's a 23 I've dreamt up originally, and then 17 new ones just popped in. Oh, that's interesting. That yes, that would definitely bring them to the door. It's not 16 new scenarios, and that one from 1994. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I haven't planned for that long. <laughs> anyway, back to Soul. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's awesome. It's on Disney Disney Plus, Plus now. So, uh, it's just genuinely funny. It's heartwarming and it's uplifting, and it's the film everybody needs to see at the moment. Definitely, yeah, yeah. I think we all deserve a little bit of happiness. Yeah, yeah. Hi, this is Barney Veer from Napalm Death, and through my many years of association, you're listening to Mass Movement. Let's jump backwards. 
And uh, we like to do this. We do. Um, 1980, 1981? 1981, yeah. Something like that. Scanners. Scanners. Oh, Scanners. Mr. Cronenberg. That was fucking infamous uh, when I was growing up. Scanners. Famous for... The head, head blown up. Yeah. <laughs> that was uh, that was something else back then. Uh, to, to, to quote, what's his face? Um, Eggsy from Kingsman. Yeah. Oh, that was fucking right, Gary. You didn't have to blow the dude out there. <laughs> yeah. Blow that guy's head up. And it's just the first scene with Michael Ironside. Yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> that's. And that's I, what made it infamous. Yeah. Before I knew about the movie, mm. I knew about the head explosion. Yeah. So because obviously I, uh, I was four and eighty-one, so. But it had that really it. lurid video shop cover as well, where Michael Ironside sort of stood up at the desk. Yes. While his veins bulging, his eyes completely white. Yeah. You know, and you're just thinking, okay, yeah. This Cause back then, obviously, you went to a video shop and you had you had your two pound to spend to get your video. Mm. So the cover was everything. Yeah, but trying to get scanners, right? If you couldn't get your parents there. Yeah. It's next to impossible. Because, <laughs> you know, it's like, was 1982, 83, I think I first see it. And I yeah. saw my Adam. I don't know if it's my mum or his mum who rented the, the video for us. Right. But we saw it and it's just like <laughs> I got the novelisation of it as well. Really? At the same time, yeah, yeah, yeah. Was it one of those video Nazis that got sort of I don't know if passed around the class like, you know? <clears throat> no, no, no. It was it was you know, you um people were talking about it, it's certainly one of those things where you have you seen scanners the dude's fucking head blows. Yeah, 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 yeah. And well, the veins are bulging, and you know, yeah, you don't think about the consequences of the story, and that it's just basically an expose of the whole Flidmite scandal. Um, and yeah, just putting the film and saying this shit can't happen again, this is what happens. It's you know, a dig at uh, pharmaceutical companies and the yeah. illicit way they promote their product and they use their product. Um, that's all I've you don't see any the underlying head. motives or any of that kind of no. thing. You just I want to see the fucking dude's head blow yeah. up, <laughs> and yeah. it doesn't disappoint when it does. That was one of those movies that was on the list of uh, about five five years later, maybe yeah. or four years later. Um, I remember being passed around the class, you know, along with Evil Dead Two, yeah. and, um, a couple of other movies yeah. like Exorcist. Yeah. Um, it was, yeah, it was just you know after I'd, I'd known it was like, oh, that's that head explosion film, uh-huh. you know, and that's what it was known for, and uh, I I love, I love it for that, you know. Takes well, me back to that like, time. It's Cronenberg's, you know. Deeper dive and sort of further exploration to body horror because it's a theme he loves. And then he made the awful video drum with that knobhead James uh, James Woods. What, Woods. A, what a dickhead! What an absolute bellend. I revisited that a few years ago. I think I a video drum. Yeah, I couldn't have been that wrong about it. Hmm. But it was. See, my, again, <laughs> video drum is one of those films like James Woods has made some great films. Mm. Right? It's just a shame he's such a loathsome prick in real life. Yeah, yeah, you yeah. Know? And you just go. Oh, mate, shut up, you know? Yeah, yeah. You dirty old man. <laughs> Absolute stink of a pervert. I did like his, how he was in The Simpsons, wasn't he? And they kind of played on that, that he's a bit of a prick in real life. Yeah, yeah. Absolute, absolute arsehole. Complete, <laughs> complete horror bag. But, you know, um, he made Videodrome, which arguably is nowhere near as good as Scanners. I think Cronenberg picked with Scanners. Yeah. I think Scanners is better than The Fly. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. I think I, I, I agree with yeah. that. Yeah. I don't want the to. Fly's right. I like, I like the Fly's right. It's alright. Yeah. I prefer the Vincent Price one because you don't get any, help me, help me, <laughs> in a new version of yeah, the yeah. Fly. And that's that's better. You, know, you don't see a little fly. And in a little web with like a little human head on it. Jeff Goldblum and his 
Yeah, pulling his fingernails out. It's like, oh, yeah, you yeah. fuck off. Right off. <laughs> Job done with you. As soon as you start pulling your own teeth out and your fingernails out, I'm like, <laughs> yeah. I'd rather watch a show at Disney Plus where you drive around in vans and RVs and learn about tattoos. Thank you very much, Jeffrey. <laughs> that's, that's, that's enough for me. Yeah, it's just kind of, it's not like one. Absolutely blinding. But it's, it's you know, it, it ends really well. The, the, mm. the only, see, my thing with Scanners is there's two great actors and you've got Michael Ironside and yeah. Patrick McGowan. The dude who played the main character, Cameron, isn't it? Uh, yeah, yeah. What's he done since? Yeah, yeah, sure. Yeah. yeah. And then when you see the film, and then you watch it again as an adult, you yeah. understand, oh, that's why you didn't work. Mm. Because you really wouldn't. Terrible. <laughs> yeah. you're, a, you're a piss poor actor. Yeah. You know, and it's not your greatest performance if you're out there trudging the boards in some, you know, like provincial theatre in Quebec or whatever. I, I go and see your show because I hope you've learned something. Yeah. Then, but in Scanners, mate, you're a piss poor. But Michael on side, he was the. Uh, Typical 80s bad guy. Wasn't oh, it? yeah, but Michael Ironside's always awesome. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, he's, he's like a go to ultra villain. He's still alive, he's still alive, isn't he? Yeah, yeah, I mean, you yeah. know what I think with Michael Ironside? I mean, he's getting to that age now. Well, I think if it's a big screen adaptation of Doctor Who, he'd make a fucking great Davros. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, my God. <laughs> we love the Ironside. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hello, guys. This is Johnny from Astroturn, and you are listening to Mass Movement Podcast. Okay, cool. So you also uh, recently spent forty of your hard-earned dollars. I did on uh, Bad Religion. Decades. Decades. So this is a series of concerts they put together to do their fortieth anniversary, and they're doing. So they did the eighties, nineties, O's, the 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 noughties, and then the tens, the twenties. Okay, four separate shows over four weekends. Yeah. So and you've seen how many forty. Seen all of them. You've seen all of them, yeah. Yeah. Best forty dollars I've ever spent. Really? Yeah. Best forty punk rock dollars I've ever spent. Their shows are superb. Do you have a favourite set from it? Was it like one that I see not really. Because I love the stuff of True North they're playing in the in the latest set. But then again, the first decade of the twenty first century they played some songs which I never thought they, they played they played Let It Burn off the New America and I, I don't remember ever. Oh so there were some deep cuts as well. Yeah, oh they? absolutely, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um they they played um oh god the dichotomy in the first eighty set they played the dichotomy off into the unknown. Wow. I've never seen play something off into the unknown. Yeah yeah. You know? Um they all expected stuff there, but they, there was some really, really deep cuts in there and you're going, Yes. Oh, <laughs> yes. I saw them in the Roxy in LA. So it's like four separate shows. It's like four hours in total. Yeah. Uh, maybe four, four hours, 15 minutes in total over four four shows. But that's what I said. I, I love these lockdown shows, right? Yeah, yeah. Because when I see Bad Religion, I would always find my place and I will always just be watching the band. I will sing along with every song and that's my Bad Religion. Because you watched the bar one recently, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, I did. Yeah, yeah. Much better time. Yeah. Much better time. No stinky, sweaty people around. <laughs> you. You, know, you don't have to deal with any of the bullshit and then you, you yeah know, yeah you have to deal with the hell that is other people I mean your parents you want to I'm not saying anything <laughs> <laughs> if, if you want to of course I was in my pants <laughs> I was in my home it was at 10 o'clock on a Saturday night what else am I going to be dressed in you know? what else would you expect my old man slippers and my my lounge pants <laughs> or just my underpants and Saturday yes yes you play that bass cheap <laughs> What is it about religion? I mean, they just they keep on going, just keep on going and going, don't they? Because they know how to write great fucking songs, you know, and they're intelligent songwriters and they have a point of view about the world and it's just about expressing that. Yeah. You know, they are great musicians, 
they found their niche and you know people like their niche I love their niche I've loved their niche since yeah. 1986 I'm not going to pretend I don't you know they have been but you know like there's some bands who have like long careers but they've yeah. had massive gaps yeah Bad Religion really haven't had that many gaps have they um, well, they split up for a couple of years in the 80s yeah but that, uh, after that they've been quite consistent haven't they yeah I mean they've they're not as prolific album wise as they once were uh, it took them five six years to record the last the new yeah. album um, but that's okay mm. you know so it's true north and age of uh, age of unreason and it's still good it's still good stuff isn't it it's yeah still, absolutely they're not just tuning out ships and stuff no it, there's it? absolutely no bollocks you know yeah, I think yeah. they're of the mindset that if we don't have the songs to release we're not going to release them we're not going to re- we're not going to record an album for the sake of recording an album just to pump it out there and say here have some latest piece of you know yeah, yeah, yeah. tepid in half one bullshit that we've thought up yeah, exactly, in an afternoon yeah. that's not the way they work and yeah so four shows spend your money wisely kiddies well, <laughs> you can't now it's all done <laughs> I was, I was it's probably still done. available well I mean, it's uh, not because it finishes January, it's finished January 5th that's the last not, time you, that's the last time you can see it so you've you know you can't watch it live but I mean can you watch like a no, because it all stopped streaming on January 5th. And I'll oh, tell really? you, I think why it stopped streaming on January 5th is it's either going to be released as a Blu-ray or it's going to be released as a four-CD set. That would make sense. Yeah, 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 okay. Personally, I would as soon as the four-CD set comes up, it's going to be like, bye, 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 bye. <laughs> and I'll break my mouse to get it on the day of release. Do you think um, these shows would have been like done uh, live if it hadn't been for COVID? Do you think they would have been like... No, I think they'd have done a... F- I mean, they were supposed to tour this year. I yeah. had tickets for them this year. Um, they didn't. I say this. I mean, fucking two thousand twenty. It's just like, yeah, it's all blurring into one. Yeah. <laughs> so um, I was supposed to be touring in June. Got tickets for that. So we'll just have to wait and see. Would they have done the same set? No, because they, it would have been um, a mishmash of everything from the last forty years. Because these shows were done to celebrate the fact that there's a band they're forty years old. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In two thousand twenty, well, they were forty years old in two thousand twenty. So it's like their forty-first year of being a band. I think so. Yeah. You know, like you said earlier, but they, they, were, they, were, they were school kids. Yeah, 15, 16 years old, and they recorded their first EP and their first album. That's like, just, that's like you, that's like Charlie's Family Crisis going 40 years later and being massively <laughs> successful. We don't be dead. It's crazy, but, isn't it? There's no way we were ever going to be massively successful because, one, we weren't very good, <laughs> and two, we weren't very good. <laughs> you know? Yeah. And, I mean, we got better with age. Um, yeah. But everything does, like good wine, and you know, <laughs> people mellow out. But when we started, we really were very good at all. <laughs> we're not, we thought we were better than we were. Okay. Um, but I guess you have to when you're in any band, you have to think you're actually better than you are. Yeah, I think everybody goes into that. Oh, we sound, you know, yeah, listen back and go, Oh, we sound awesome. But then give it, yeah. give it a few months later, you're like, eh, That's all that's yeah. good. So you just go, eh. <laughs> Do we though? Do we though? Uh... So as an OG uh, Bad Religion fan, did you, you thoroughly enjoyed Decades? Absolutely, yeah. yeah. Okay, cool. Absolutely. I'll tell you another band I enjoy is uh, State of Decay. Okay. They're featured in the new Ian Lasper book, The Scene Would Not Die. Yeah. <laughs> it's why you take punk rock up till 2020. Yes, yeah. which is out now on Earth Island uh, Publishing yeah. Books. Publishing Books? Earth Island Books. books. Earth Island Books. Yeah. Get it together. Um, One beer, and you're like, ooh. I know. <laughs> yeah, so the, uh, these are featured in there. Um, it's a state of decay with Overkill.
Okay, that was State of Decay from uh, Swansea, just a rule from us, with Overkill. Um, go to their Facebook page and their Bandcamp, um, pick up their album. And tune into AJ Decay's YouTube channel. Right? Yes. Because it's that is awesome, literally yeah. the best the Dungeons & Dragons show you will ever, ever, ever see. The dude is a diehard gamer. He is superb. He knows what he's talking about. So just AJ Decay, Dungeons & Dragons on YouTube. Just go for it because it's such a good show. Job done. You've got to speak to. Uh, I got to speak to Slugarino again. Slugger, yeah, I mean, this guy's a legend in the UK hardcore. Yeah, yeah. Um, he was there from the beginning, beginning. Yes. Uh, yeah, yeah. Just about. Um, you know. <coughs> in the form, and then mm. with decadence within. Yeah. <clears throat> and then the stamping ground. Yeah, well, I saw him with decadence. Um, oh, you saw decadence. Yeah. I saw decadence a couple yeah. times. Yeah. And then stamping ground. Um, obviously, and then you know he did. What's that band? Did with Coxie? Did the band with Coxie? Yeah. And did War Wound. He's doing that thrash band with um, Suicide Watch. Aid. Oh yeah, yeah, and yeah. And he's doing uh, Suicide Watch. And he joined Freebase for a bit. And he did join Freebase. He's like other. all over the place, and he's written yeah. some incredible books about punk rock and hardcore. So yeah, I think it's time to catch up with him and try to persuade him that one day he's got to release that horror novel of his. So. You've said about this, haven't you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I, I'd love to hear that. Yeah, so I tried to persuade him to release it. He's not having any of it. Well, he's having a little bit of it, but not a lot. He's biting <laughs> and he's starting to nibble. But anyway, here's Ian, a wonderful guy, just one of the sweetest books in hardcore. So, Ian Glassman. All right, so what, your punk rock journey, mate, where did it begin? Blimey, where did it begin? Where and when, yeah. Yeah, well, where it began was where I live in, in Herefordshire called Ledbury. Yeah. Um, and uh, when would have been around about 1980, 81, I guess, when, um, you know, the sort of the gang of lads I was hanging around with at school, you know, a few of them started to look a little bit outlandish and they were listening to this sort of curious noise that caught my ear. <laughs> and, um, you know, I started to get into a few bits and pieces of it, like Adam and the Ants and killing joke and, and stuff like that and then uh, this band Discharge you know this especially the single Decontrol just floored me yeah you know, I can still remember you know how excited I was hearing it you know it was like sort of you know like heart palpitation sort of excited <laughs> and um, I think Discharge does that to everybody the first time they hear them though because it's, it's they were so unlike anything else yeah no You know, listening back to it, you know, you think, oh, actually, it wasn't that fast and it wasn't that noisy, you know, compared to other stuff. Yeah. It was just so raw, you know, and, and decontrol for me, you know, it's just so, it's so primal, you know, the way Cal's screaming the, the vocals and, you know, these sort of pounding toms and they just clearly don't really give a fuck. They're playing one, one riff into the ground with all this feedback. And yeah, yeah. Yeah. 
um, yeah, it was just an amazing time, really. It's all been downhill from there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, you know, from there, you you know, from there, you want to do your own band. Yeah. And and you know, and then you start losing money and over fifth and you know, getting electric shocks off dodgy equipment. Yeah. You know, vehicles breaking down in the snow on the way to gigs or on the way home from gigs and getting chased by skinheads and mobs and <laughs> casuals and every police, you know, everybody. And then that, that, that putting it, putting that eloquently it just makes you wonder why why did any of us ever do it? I know, but I mean, it was the uh, the little bits that went right, like more than made up for the all the you know all the crap that went wrong. Yeah, yeah. Just you know, one person going off when you're you know to your music when you're playing live, or just one person saying, "Oh, your you know your demo was great, or your zine was great, or something." You know, it that you know it's amazing how much bad stuff that you know one little thing like that can make you forget you know and that's, that's, that's pretty much been the tail of the tape all the way through <laughs> <laughs> so you started writing zines didn't you yeah I had a little zine called um, Little Things Please Little Minds right and um, yeah yeah so it kind of got resurrected in my memory a little bit a couple of months back because I found a few copies and sent them to a zine archive over in Belgium right and this guy, Brod, used to do a fanzine called Tilt. He um, he posted up a page from the zine from where I interviewed Sacrilege, and it just, if this was probably 1985 or something like that, when I sent him these questions, and these questions are just outrageously sort of basic and crude, <laughs> you know, pure punk fanzine sort of stuff, you know, when did you form? And, yeah. Um, well, everybody, it's, it's like it's, they're perfect intro questions because they give you an idea of what the band or the person you're talking to is about, where they where their origins lie. You know? Yeah, I mean, it's tried, it's a tried and tested formula. I just yeah. took it to a sort of new level of because <laughs> I, I, I think I said, uh, "Do any of you take drugs? And uh, have any of you thought about killing yourself? And um, oh, and how are you all off money wise?" <laughs> <laughs> And I think I was probably getting at the fact that they maybe signed to Music for Nation. Right. Selling out, but I just sort of said, hey, you do it money-wise. And, and to be fair to them, they didn't tell me to mind their business. They just sort of said, oh, yeah, you know, we're still struggling sort of thing. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, you know, it, 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 well, it amused a few people who it instantly messaged me saying, you must, you've got to start asking questions like that again in your interview. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a perfect question to ask. How are you doing money-wise? Because it just it puts somebody on the spot automatically. It tells you so much, yeah. yeah. <laughs> just, just how they respond tells you all you need to know. Yeah, yeah. So, was it how how soon after the terrorizer come about? Were you writing in the you know interim? No, I did. Um, I did five issues of the fanzine, yeah, and then I maybe contributed to a few other people's. Fanzines, you know, I don't know, like tour reports or scene reports or something, because I was playing with Decadence Within by then. And Terrorizer came about in '93. Yeah. And, um, you know, I was well into to metal as well as punk by then. And um, I was always on the phone to this guy called Rob Climo, who, who ran this sort of um, obscure. Uh, sort of record distro down in Cornwall. Right. And he would, he would get the metal imports in 
ball anywhere else for him to get them in. And I was trying to get, I think I was trying to get hold of a copy of Cowboys from Hell from Pantera. Oh, okay. On CD and Shades didn't have it in down in London. I'd rang them. I think I rang Rob and he said, I'll put you down on the list. He said, they're sort of trickling into the country 10 at a time. Um, and I'll, I'll get you one. And we, we started chatting and I started ordering a few punk and hardcore things from him as well. And um, he, he, he was editing, uh, I think he was editing a metal mag, maybe called Extreme Metal or Extreme something. But anyway, he, um, Crash and Burn, it might have been called, I can't remember. But anyway, he started up Terrorizer magazine. Right. And uh, for the third issue, he said, hey, you know, you obviously know your stuff, because I was always asking him about this obscure music. Do you want to have a go at writing? A column for me, so I wrote Hardcore Holocaust, and that was in issue three. And he said, "Right," he said, "the reaction was great. All the metalers hated it." <laughs> he said, "You know, and it got it got loads more letters than anything else in the mag." Right. You know, because I was sort of taking the piss out of you know some of the sort of, sort of the metal institutions whilst talking about these punk bands like SNFU and the ET and stuff. And, um, Obviously, he thought, he thought, you know, it was a good idea for the mag, so I, I started doing it, a regular column every issue. He started sending me stuff to review. I did my first interview for him the following issue, which was discussed in yeah. that UK sort of Discord band. And then, pretty much then, he was asking me every issue, you know, there's this new record coming out on Epitaph or Victory or burning heart, you know, all those sort of 90s labels, revelation and that, and, you know, you're, you're the guy for it, like, you know, so I just, and I wrote something in every single issue from issue three until it folded, you know, a couple of years back. Yeah, because that, that's hell of a run, mate, you know? It, yeah, yeah, it was ridiculous. I mean, it, you know, I survived probably four or five editors who <laughs> <laughs> came away and publishing houses folded, and I, I, you know, I, I contributed to about two hundred and eighty odd issues. Yeah, back about back around issue thirty, I think, when Rob left the magazine before Nick Terry came in. Yeah, um, there were two issues where we didn't have an editor, and I was pretty much the sort of stand-in editor. I, think, I mean, we were even talking about maybe taking the role on full time. Hmm. But when I look back at those two issues, they're pure hardcore punk issues. <laughs> I had so much, uh, so much input. I sort of contributed four or five interviews to each one. Like, but yeah, yeah, I, you know, I sort of ducked and dived and hung in there. I mean, the magazine went in different directions that I wasn't completely into. You know, I suppose they did what they had to do to survive. But you know, for a while, it was like. You know, you couldn't open a, a copy of it without sort of Angela from Arch Enemy bearing a teeth in a poster or something, you know. Yeah. And uh, there was a lot of, like, goth metal, folk metal, pagan metal, black metal. None of it was my bag, but if they needed someone to, to talk to a, an old-school thrash band or a punk band, you know, I'd, I'd get the call. But it was... Because it, it, it's like you said, they just need to do what they need to do to get copies shifted, you know, and to keep yeah. the print run going and to keep the business running. And it, it 
became a vastly different animal to what it was when I started reading it, you know? Yeah, yeah, well, you know, uh, it looks quite likely that I'm going to do um, a co- of collected interviews, like a terrorizer collected interviews, where I caught a couple of books. I've got sort of um, permission from, you know, the various publishers and editors yeah. and stuff, and I've started compiling you know, the, the list of bands for it. I mean, I did over 350 interviews for it. That's a lot of work, mate. Um, and, uh, you know, a lot, of the, a lot of those interviews were pretty much the first time some of those bands had spoken to a, you know, sort of mainstream, um, well, relatively mainstream magazine in the UK, you know. Yeah. So, you know, the thing, you know, the, Really early interviews with like No Effects, Bad Religion, Pennywise, you know, Snapcase, Stripe, Earth Crisis, you know, Misfits. When they when they came back, you know, you know, no one wanted to touch them with a barge bolt to start with, and um, you know, Terrorizer. You know, I interviewed so many of those bands, plus a lot of the you know the, the big metal bands as well, and stuff like that. And it's really it's a really eclectic list. <laughs> so, do do you think of yourself now, first and foremost, as a writer or a musician? Uh, I, uh, this probably sounds um, like a, probably sounds pretentious. I don't know. I don't really think of myself as either. Right. Okay. I've never really thought of myself as a particularly good writer or a particularly good musician. <laughs> <laughs> I just sort of. Um, just feels like I'm winging it all the time, and um, but yeah, I've never really thought of myself in those terms. And sometimes it it it's a bit of a it takes you know it knocks you back a little bit when someone is like really you know respects you as an artist because you don't feel like an artist because you're so close to what you're doing. I was I was talking about this with Nathan uh, Bean, Nate Canaan. Yeah, yeah, and. You, we feel the same way. It's, 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 it's imposter syndrome. You never feel like you're good enough to do what, you, what you're doing. Do you know what I mean? Um, yeah, yeah. Um, I, th- I, felt com- I felt completely, you know, there were a couple of times during, you know, Stamping Rain's sort of heyday, mm. you know, when we were at award ceremonies, you know, like Kerrang's award ceremonies and stuff. You know, I, I just felt like a, a fish out of water. I hated it. But it's it's just part and parcel of the whole thing because as as you move along, you gradually become accepted by different people, and and that puts you into a different sphere of influence, and in some way contributes to your art, you know. Yeah, yeah, no. That, that probably had something to do with why why I left Stamping Ground. Actually, I mean, we did, you know, Don in turn the the big the download, yeah, or whatever it was called in two thousand and three. And that was such a surreal day, playing to like 50,000 people and, you know, on the same stage as Iron Maiden and stuff. It was like, you know, being backstage with all these <laughs> you know, sort of mega stars and stuff. It was like, this is a really, really long way from, uh, you know, playing the back room with my local pub, you know, or whatever. So what, which do you prefer? Uh, I suppose I... I guess we kind of hit this, a bit of a sweet spot with Warwind. Um, you know, we were touring and yeah. seeing other countries and um, playing with with bands I respected, but it was still very underground. 
Mm. Um, you know, so you weren't playing to, to two man, you know, two men and a dog on a Wednesday night in Doncaster, sort of thing. Yeah, but you're still so, playing to a healthy crowd in small clubs. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. You know, so still getting a really good vibe off it. Um, but you know, it it was kind of on your own terms, sort of thing. It was just, it just got a little bit out of hand in in stamping ground. You know, it's like. You know, you, you, you know, if you're selling like fifty shirts a gig and stuff like that, yeah. You know, you then you, you know, you you going on tour and you're having to arrange merch parcels to be delivered to venues two days ahead of when you get there, and you know, crazy sort of stuff. And you can see why, um, you can see why bands then end up getting agents and managers and. Yeah, because promotion people and, and stuff like that. And I didn't really want to go down that route. I, you know, we were kind of quite fiercely independent, and you know, I was booking most of their gigs, and you know, we were using agents like MAD and Hidden Talent, but we hadn't sort of signed on the dotted line with them exclusively. You know, yeah. So we were dealing with them how we wanted to. You know. And uh, it did just get to a stage where it, it, it had to. It was like you either take it to the next level or you step down. And I didn't want all the other lads back. And um, you know, step down. And I think you know that was when they signed the Sanctuary. You were managing Iron Maiden and that, and it, you know, felt definitely felt the right time for me to to stay ahead of it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> just step away from the whole circus. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I think they. Yeah, you know, they. It wasn't like oh, they instantly sold out or anything. No, like no, no, not all. But they, no, you know, um, it was like they they carried on pretty much in the spirit that we we carried on, but just with other people, sort of, um, you know, doing some of the, some of the donkey work and leg work as well. And mm. I guess I'm a bit of a sadist. I've always liked doing the donkey <laughs> the leg work myself. That's it. I, you know, you work right harder than possibly anybody I've ever met just to put more effort and energy into something. And it's almost like you love the misery. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? All the... Oh, yeah. I mean, it was, it was like when, when I went down to, <laughs> went down to Earth Island and uh, signed this new book. Yeah. yeah. For some reason, we said, like, we're going to sign all the pre-orders. And then I said, oh, you know, if someone wants them personalised, I'll personalise them as well. And then I sat down at half nine in front of 200 boxes of books <laughs> and then didn't move from the seat until half seven, I don't think. Apart from to go to the toilet twice, <laughs> I was just like, right, I'm signing in this pile of books until they're done, and then I go home. <laughs> yeah, it was just like, a, yeah, just like a, a sort of stubbornness, really, yeah. to do things the right way. Like, and you know, um, you know, if you say you're going to do something, do it. You know. So this latest book, you made move to Earth Island from Cherry Red. What made you? What made you switch? From your old publisher to your new publisher? Well, yeah, I mean, basically, basically they cherry red dropped me. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> well, no, well, it didn't happen like that, actually. No one, they, they didn't drop me. What, what it was is I went to, you know, I'll take an idea to them. I'm not, I was never signed to cherry red. Right, okay. It was like... One book every, at a time. Yeah, every book was, mm. a, was a one-off thing. I would talk to them. They'd be like, yeah, that's a great idea. We do something with that. As soon as I started talking about a contemporary, well, relative, 
every contemporary book, you know, on the la- on the last twenty years, but it was going to be brought up to the present day. Yeah, Jerry read. You know, they they were like, yeah, things all right, but wouldn't you rather do, I don't know, a, you know, a biography of conflict or a biography of the dead Kennedys, or you know, they they're more into that. Right, that nostalgic kind of yeah, yeah, yeah. thing, uh, you yeah. know, looking back sort of thing, and um, and, and I, I thought, no, you know, I want to. Well, it's, once I got it in my head, and people were saying, look, no one wants to see a book on the current punk scene, and there aren't enough bands on the punk scene, and punk's dead, and punk's a, a you know, a poor imitation of what it was in the seventies and eighties. The more people said that to me, the more I wanted to do it. And um, so I, yeah, I started thinking, well, I'm going to find someone else. And I can't know whether it was yourself or Alex, actually, um, who said, you know, you need to reach out to Earth Island. And then when they said it was David from the Cage Potatoes, I was like, oh, okay, you know, I've gotten in there because, you know, we play gigs together, you know, and I'm sure I even wrote about his bands in Hardcore Holocaust and Terrorizer, you know, so it always helps if there's a, a personal... Connection, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, connection there. And um, so, yeah, we got, we got talking and he was really into the idea, really open to, to my vision of it, which was really important. In fact, I don't think he said no to anything I suggested, you know, not outright anyway. I mean, you know, Cherry Red would just say, no, we're not doing that. It's too expensive. Well, I'd say with, with, they, with Earth Island, as long as they know you and they know you can write, you know, they, they're they just like, right. well, it's your book, you do it, and then we'll work on putting it together together. And that, that's the way it should be. It feels more like a punk rock publisher, you know? Yeah, which, I mean, um, I guess Cherry Red were quite... I mean, the reason I went with Cherry Red actually was because... They left the writing to me, yeah. um, and they just, you know, they just manufactured and produced and distributed the books, and you know, they let me proofread my own books and choose my own photos and have some input into the layout. I mean, before Cherry Red, I actually spoke to a few people, and they're like, "Yeah, that's too big a book. You've got to have the word count. We want more pictures. We don't really want that band in." Right. And I quickly thought, "No, I'm not working with you." You know. I, it's my book sort of thing Cherry Red are really good like that complete artistic freedom but I think um, yeah Earth Island is, is like that but to a to a whole other level other level and, and plus because yeah he really cares not they not just David but they really care about the, the whole aesthetic they want it to be the very very best it can be yeah yeah it can it's... be so you know, they, they made some really surprising decisions. They clearly put aesthetics and, and creativity above sort of um, their P&L account. Yeah. You know, they, they <laughs> oh, yeah. They an awful lot of money at making this book, you know, look and feel the best it could um, and, and took it on the chin financially because they, they haven't passed those costs onto the, onto the reader, which is like, you know, that's a really attractive thing to me. So, you know, these books take so long, you don't want them to limp out looking like... Looking like crap, yeah. They, 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 yeah, they, you know, yeah. you want it to, to be exactly what you imagined it to be. And thankfully, this book has turned out better than I ever imagined it would turn out. So I'm, you know, just a bit of it. 
Well, it looks gorgeous, mate. I, I had the PDF of it sent through, the, the final PDF. Yeah. And it yeah, is... I mean, the, PD, the PDF gives you a really good idea yeah. of what it's like. Yeah. But, it, you know, but it's still, when, when you actually got the book and you think, oh, my God, this is what that PDF looks like in the flesh. Sort of. <laughs> well, that's it. But I'm just looking at the PDF. I was sat there, oh, fuck, this looks, this is going to be something special, you know, just, just seeing the PDF. Um, and then, from the photographs I've seen the book, because mine hasn't arrived yet, because COVID. Um, yeah, COVID's got a lot to answer for. To answer for. I think the printers probably had a load of people self-isolate and um, got behind with the, the printing. And, um, you know, so it was a, a week or so late coming back from the printers. Well, it's, it, you know, I'm looking forward to just sitting down with it and diving into it. thing is right so how did you decide which bands were going to be in this book and which bands weren't was it you know did you have a massively comprehensive list and then just say yes 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 no 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 yes yes no that kind of thing kind of um i mean i i drew up a list of about probably 200 odd bands right um, and there were one or two where i thought nah 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 you know and cross those off then a few more came in and then I think I probably posted a few things on Facebook saying I'm going to do a book on this and people always come back with suggestions and some of them you've already thought of and others you think oh shit did I forget that back yeah yeah um, so it came up with this massive list and then pretty much reached out to all of them um, you know through Facebook and email just saying look this is what I'm doing are you interested some people came literally straight back to me um, let's do it, you know. And others were like, yeah, keep us posted, good luck with the project. Others just didn't come back at all. Um, so some of them crossed themselves off the list, really. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then <laughs> others, others just didn't get their act together. I mean, I, I, you know, as someone who, like, when I get sent an interview, I answer it. I just can't believe that, you know, there were some bands I got in touch with and said, look, you know, I want to put you in this book and it's going to sort of, you know, immortalise you in print forever as part of this sort of, you know, vibrant UK punk scene. And they're like, yeah, yeah, I want to go in it. So I send them a load of questions and um, nothing, six months. So you chase them out. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah, we're on it, we're on it, we've been busy. I'm like, you've, you've been locked down. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Just answer the question. Um, you know, yeah, yeah, we'll get on it. And then three months later, I do it again. Three weeks before the deadline, I'm like, look, I've got to put this to bed the end of the month. I need you. I need to. Yeah, sorry, dude. We'll be straight back to you sort of thing. And then they just think I'm back. And then when I start posting pictures for the book, we're like, are we too late to get in the book? <laughs> so so you, were you not listening, you know? Yeah, yeah that's right. <laughs> you snooze, you lose. But, yeah, yeah. You know, so, there were a few bands like that, and it was really frustrating because a couple of those bands I really wanted to go in yeah um, but you know you just have to like draw a line in the sand you know it can't be a never ending project because it'll, it'll never come out it's not fair on the bands that I spoke to 18 months ago right that they're still waiting on seeing you know seeing their sort of interview in print because you know a couple of other bands can't get their shit together really so it's it's are you happy with it? And you know, are you happy with the reaction, the, the initial early reactions to the book? Yeah, I mean, I'm 100% happy. 
you know, how it's turned out. Mm. Um, you know, there's always a few minor little niggles, but, you know, just one or two bands I would have really liked to put in there. Uh, one or two band members I would have really liked to have spoken to, you know, and it, it's always circumstances beyond your control. So yeah. You just have to learn to sort of live with that side of it. It's basically, it, it you know, it's infinitely better than I ever imagined it would be. So I'm, I'm totally happy with it. Um, and, the, you know, the response so far has been really, really good. I mean, um, people either, you know, they're familiar with the, way, the format of these books because it's basically the fifth book in this series. You know, yeah. It started with Burning Britain and The Day the Country Died and everything. So it's essentially the same format in that, you know, each band section is a self-contained story and I let the bands tell their own story and I don't put words in their mouths. I just sort of, um, you know, just collate, collate it all really in a way, uh, which is why I don't really think of myself as a writer sometimes, you know, when people say you're a historian or a researcher or something which might be more accurate. Um, yeah, so, you know, you either like that format or you don't. Right. You know, so some people say, yeah, you know, it's not a book, it's like a big collection of interviews, and you're like, no shit, <laughs> What did you think it was going to be, you know? <laughs> yeah, you know, so I'm not pretending to be Stephen King here. Um, so yeah, you, so uh, you said it was number yeah. five, so what's number six going to be? Well, I don't think, I won't, I won't do, an, this is the end of this series, if you know what I mean. Right. started in the 80s, when, which is when I got into it. And I've brought it up to date. You know, I've put off writing this book for sort of 10 years because it seemed too close to the subject matter. Okay. Um, when we got to 2020, and I was thinking, oh, it's 20 years since the millennium. Now might be a nice time to review what's happened, you know, which is why it was important to get it out before, <laughs> before Christmas in 2020. Um, but yeah, that, that, that puts a sort of series on UK punk rock to bed um, and I guess in 10 or 20 years time you know perhaps someone else will pick the baton up and write about what's happened since 2020 um, but the sixth book sorry this is the sixth book isn't it because I did the trash metal book as well the seventh book right. it, it will be um, yeah I guess it might be this terrorizer sort of collected interviews that might actually turn out to be two volumes because just how, you know... There's so bloody many of them, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, this book was so heavy, um, the spine cracked and Earth Island had to have sort of all the covers reprinted and double laminated. Bloody hell. Put back together because it's, it was just too big, too unwieldy. So I guess I can't really do a thousand-page book like The Stand or something. <laughs> Well, that's why the mass movement book split to two volumes because otherwise yeah. it would be well over a thousand pages and it, you, you can't put that size oh, book up. Yeah. You can't, can't lie in bed reading that. Well, I don't, I don't understand. I'm getting sued by people for, you know, oh, wrist injuries and I dropped it and it broke my leg and blah, blah, blah. Don't need any of that yeah, stuff. And the yeah, yeah, all the postmen need extra manual handling training. <laughs> <laughs> so, this, so we could see your transition into fiction now, eh? 
I mean, I love I love reading fiction. I love reading horror fiction and weird fiction and stuff. Um, yeah, I mean, and I guess it's just it's just a different kind of um, you know discipline to sit down. Well, it's kind of the opposite of what I do. I I don't allow myself like to fancy when I'm writing these kind of books because I want them to be one hundred percent factual. It's going to be the complete opposite of that. <laughs> but it's the thing because okay. you're already part of this hardcore horror thing that's yeah. coming together so are you actually going to encourage Earth Island to publish your unseen and long held horror novel because I do remember talking about that yeah probably not <laughs> that, that one's probably better off just staying in the in the loft you know it, it's all handwritten I remember rightly it's about 150 pages of close really dense like handwriting both mm. sides of A4 so there's plenty of material there and um, it was probably like a very, I mean I was a teenager so it's going to be you know sort of probably gratuitous sort of nudity and violence I was reading stuff like James Herbert Guy N. Smith Sean Hudson I was going to say Sean Hudson because it sounds like you were following that sort of let's get up close and really really personal with the gore you know, that sort of punk rock sort of thing, you know, don't, you know, nothing should be left, no stone left unturned. Yeah, yeah. Thing, but, but probably also very badly written and, um, you know, <laughs> but it, really sort of superficial. And, <laughs> and then you read it back, you know, I see myself cringing and thinking, ah, oh, this, uh, this is something I should have just, just left. Yeah, but it's, it's just like a stepping stone, isn't it? You, you could use it as a platform to expand upon. And it was consumed rapidly by his fan base. Oh yeah, yeah, a, a, a huge fan base, especially in in weird places like you know his books were massive in Poland and places like that. And um, it was a, like it was you know classic pulp fiction, wasn't it? Yeah, absolutely. And but that, and that's I guess more of punk rock aesthetic because you know the audience you're writing for, and you know because because we are those people, you know. Because we're sort of on the fringes of geek culture, we know what people want. We know the kind of stories that float our boat. So there's the kind of stories that float other people's boat. We hope they will, and that's why we, yeah. we write them, I guess. Yeah, that's. I mean, I, I mean, I don't think I'll be branching into a full fictional novel. Go on. Yeah, but I, I'm going to do um, a vaguely autobiographical type thing, and but it's not going to be autobiographical. It's basically I'm thinking about collecting all the lyrics I've written since eighty three, eighty four. And um, most of those have got stories behind them in that we were, you know, we were on tour at that time with this band and we visited this place or we saw this happen. You know, um so there'll be a lot of like you know, bits and pieces from around that particular period that influenced that song sort of thing. So it might be like a kind of lyrics and stories behind the lyrics book with loads of photos and flyers. And it'll 
you know, a much more personal perspective on, on the punk rock journey, as you called it. Yeah. Diving into uh, Rollins' territory then. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, again, some of those lyrics, when I read them back, you know, very naive and... Um, but, you know, they were what they were, weren't they? I meant them when I wrote them. So. But it's like what Muhammad Ali said, wasn't it? You know, any man that is is the same at 50 as he was at 20, I don't want to know that person because everybody grows. Yeah, yeah. I mean, some of the stuff is, you know, like written in, you know, like everybody, you know, that sort of dark times, you know, where it sort of struggled with you know, anxiety and insecurities and stuff like that and a lot of that I just poured into um, lyrics right? and it was very therapeutic for me but, you know when I read some of it back I was thinking Jesus Christ that was really <laughs> <laughs> really really pessimistic oh, right. some of it's really dark <laughs> so what's next then what do you okay. what's, what's in your immediate future in the COVID world and hopefully in the post-COVID world when we all get jabbed with Bill Gates' serum to be controlled like robots. Well, if you believe that yeah, stuff. Go, yeah, the government flu. Uh, <laughs> we, I mean, I'm doing this new band, Zero Again, so we split up back at the beginning of 2020, just before our third album. Right. And um, I started writing stuff during lockdown, actually, with some people I've known for a long time, but never done a band with. And um, it's, Band's called Zero again, and um, yeah, I'm really, really enjoying that. It's kind of um, dark, twisted, sort of punk with hints of hardcore, and you know, it's really heavy, but without being metal, it's really intense. Okay. Um, yeah, and I'm loving that, you know, and um, it's it's giving me a chance to do something musically a little bit different, you know, a bit more mid tempo and tribal rhythms and stuff but it's also loads of really fast stuff loads of slow stuff and you know nothing's too weird or twisted to not be on the sort of table with it so a, a more modern take on rudimentary penai then well there's definitely some penai influence there I mean we, we called the band Zero again for a, <laughs> for a very good reason yeah yeah and um, <laughs> yeah but yeah but also you know there's people who've heard it said you know they can hear the inbred in there and Chaos UK, Killing Joke, Neurosis. Oh, okay. People, people hear what you know. They they sort of want to hear, don't they? But, they do. You know, a lot. There's been everybody's heard. It, it's like, yeah, it's really good, really ferocious, really intense. Um, and we've just recorded 13 songs. They're coming out as two seven-inch EPs early next year, and we have the next set of songs all ready to to record. That'll be a 10-inch in the spring. And then hopefully beyond that, we'll be able to start thinking about playing gigs again. And, you know, we'll already have, you know, a sort of, not like a back catalog already because of the lockdown when <laughs> doing gigs. Um, so people might actually want to hear it live. So, yeah, kind of keeping, keeping my hand in with that. But, you know, that's with some great players, you know, great musicians and... Um, we're all sort of bringing the best out of each other, so that's really good. And anything else? Uh, I mean, with, with the writing, you know, like I said, I would dive into the next project, whatever that might be. I've sort of hinted at what they probably are going to be, but yeah. you know, you'd 
never really know until you actually start, do you? <laughs> um, you know, and then all the other life stuff as well. And um, I mean, people people are really pestering me for, to to try and push a stamping ground reunion. <laughs> <laughs> Is that going to happen? You reckon? Nah, probably not. I mean, what it was was 2020 was 20 years since Car from Empty Woods came out. Right. Um, you know, and and we we reissued you know we reissued the very first two demos with Paul Catton singing as a limited cassette on Ripcord Records. You know, and it, all that sort of stuff got really, you know, really got people saying, you know, you can do you can do the reunion, you can do reunion. And I don't know. I mean the. the there's five of us, and we all live very much apart from each other, if you know what I mean. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the logistics of actually getting ourselves together is pretty uh, insurmountable for you know for certain for certain people. So I, I don't really think it will happen, but it might be kind of fun if it did. I've always been dead set against it, but you know, as you get older and you know you start looking in the rear view mirror a bit more. Don't you? <laughs> well, that's it. There's more days behind us than there are ahead now. So yeah, yeah. And as we just go, okay, blunder through. All right, Ian, thank you, brother. Been a pleasure talking to you as ever. So there you have it. That was uh, Ian Glasper um, chatting with Tim about his new book, "The Scene That Would Not Die," out now on Earth Island Books. I mean, Glasper, I mean, his books are just incredible as well, aren't they? Yeah, they are. Like well, we, just, we, I mean, we, we briefly mentioned before and the bands he's been in, but it's more than that. I mean, it's it's his writing as well. I mean, it, it, With Ian, it's a labour of love. There's yeah. no other way to describe it. You don't put that much effort and intensity into something unless you really love it, and Ian absolutely adores what he yeah, does. Yeah, yeah. I remember <clears> them, <throat> when he was writing with Terrorizer and his yeah. fans and stuff, and... He, he's always been involved in some way or another yeah. in the UK hardcore. So. I don't think... He knows how to not be involved. Yeah, I yeah. think it's so integral to him mm. as a person that he there's no there's not a, a moment in time that I can envision Slug not being part of hardcore. Yeah, or the UK hardcore scene. You know, and, and he's older than me. You know? Such an approachable guy as well. Yeah, just uh, I remember like as a, as a nervous sort of uh, hardcore kid, like first getting into the scene, first seeing Stamping Ground. You know, you sort of uh, you still got that us and them sort of. Mentality. Mentality, yeah, yeah, but then he sort of bridged that gap easily, like, you know. Yeah, but he, you know, he, it's a, it's a completely different thing. I mean, I, and you get over that really fast. I mean, we got over that really fast in the agency yeah. because you had no choice because you were just rammed in with it. If you wanted to get to these shows, you had to speak to these people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, <clears throat> and Ian comes from that scene, comes from like me. If you want to talk to me, just fucking talk to me. I don't care. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. If you something to say to me, say it. You know? But he gave, um, he gave, a, he gave, Especially my year of hardcore, he gave her a yeah. bit of a platform. Him and yeah. Pierre from Knuckle Dust were like Pierre was to make it all the links between the towns, mm. um, and like sort of uh, Glasper was like involved with zines and stamping ground, and he had Terrorizer, and he put Knuckle Dust and PD and Freebase yeah. all in in Terrorizer. Um, he gave her a platform to, to launch from, which it has, and it's still going now. Yeah, you know? absolutely. Yeah, and it all comes back to like focal points. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ian's one of them. Yeah. Yeah. He deserves massive credit for that. Oh, he does. And he's taking it further with his books, Alan with Anger, Trapped in a Scene, yeah. you know, this guy's a legend. So, um, yeah, that was an awesome chat. Hi there, this is H from Acid Rain, and you are listening to the Mass Movement Podcast because you're a sensible, clever, smart individual. Okay, then, let's, uh, let's talk about Scott Vogel's lot. Let's deep dive terror. Yes, terror. Deep dive. 
So, yeah, I, I think we both go back to the uh, the buried alive days. Yeah. The what they called Carry On. The rest yeah. of the band were in Carry On, weren't mm-hmm. they? We were both uh, fans of those bands. So when those members got together to make Terror, it was an exciting time. Well, that was it. But I mean, because like, the first time probably bumped into buried alive when they when I, we put them on the Jeff Football Club. Yeah, yeah. And you know they hung out in their van for part of the night because there, there was a really small crowd there it was like a really badly attended show mm. and one of the things I remember about it was we had <laughs> a couple of local girls who were really pissed up right shouting at them when they were on stage you want a fuck what a fuck <laughs> yeah 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 very like oh god yeah, yeah yeah and they handled it with you know really well yeah yeah they didn't lose their cool they were really polite and they were you know they could have been real tickets, but they weren't. They were just lovely guys. Yeah. Um, they saw what the show was like. They didn't take money that wasn't there. Yeah. You know, they know. They knew how it worked. They knew how the underground worked, and they were. They put on a blinding show. They didn't care. There were like twenty fucking people there to see them. They played like it was the last show they were ever going to play. Yeah. You know. And they always do. Yeah. And uh, then, so then they become terror. So yeah, terror. Yeah. When they yeah they took that over. Yeah, but and, and you know. They they're on bridge nine. They start putting out all that early stuff, and it's really aggressive. It's pounding, driving metalcore. It takes like a New York sensibility, yeah, and pushes it to the the thrashy edge. And that's when I first started interviewing Scott Vogel, who is all always an absolute pleasure to talk to. He's one of my favorite people to interview. He's another one who's um who's passionate for hardcore. Just come no, on, mate. It's just bleeds out of every point. Yeah, like yeah, that. yeah. And when you talk to him, he's personable and he's interesting he's intelligent and yeah. you know you can just talk to him all day about any old shit yeah right you can throw some crappy question at him and Scott's like okay let's go in this direction <laughs> it'll be fun and it'll be you know his passion that's what, that's where the vulgarisms come from don't they yeah his passion for it oh yeah yeah you know he knows what he wants to see so he comes up with some of this stuff on stage yeah you know uh, but it, because they've become known as vulgarisms yeah right? That's the point. Because right? if, if people didn't adore what he did and didn't follow him with the same intensity that he put into everything he did, yeah, you, there wouldn't be such things as vocalism. The fact it's called a vocalism and it's named after yeah. this guy has become, you know, common parlance. It's just, yeah, yeah. It's Scott. <laughs> it's what he does. Yeah, yeah. And you know, he lives, he lives and breathes, breathes it, doesn't he? Yeah. And, and as you say, it doesn't matter if it's like three. And yeah, I'm sure you'll forgive the fact that you forgot to include his band in this. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't matter if there's three people there or three hundred. No, he doesn't. He's care. giving you the same show. Yeah, absolutely. He yeah. will tear them every venue. They, 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 they will yeah. tear every yeah. venue down yeah. the minute they walk into it because they are just incredible. I assume you've seen Terror a few times. I think. Yeah, more than a few. Yeah, I, <laughs> I've not. Um, it's the first time I've seen them. It's more than six. But it's less than twelve, and I'm trying to figure out it's somewhere in between there. Yeah, I go along with that. Yeah, um, and I'm, I'm trying to think. The first would it have been Newport with Donnie Brook? Obviously, it was Newport UCLA something or other. It was the NCLA. NCLA. So yeah, yeah, it was Donnie Brook and I'm, I'm Donnie Brook, Linehart. Yeah, um, and Tariff. Donnie Brook were good. Hmm. Lionheart were all right. But Terror was just, just something else. Yeah, you know, I've seen Terror play more than a few times, and they, you know, like I say, they have always brought the pain. There's an interaction in as well. Yeah, and, and the crowd know that. The crowd know that once Terror hit the stage, okay, Donnie Brook were good. You know, yeah. everybody was dancing, smashing each other, but they know there's a, an involvement with yeah. to make a Terror show. 
he wants you to go up on that stage shouting with you yeah. driving back off yeah you know you're gonna have the, the mic in the crowd with yeah. you you know um he's gonna be there directing traffic you do that you do that um, and that's what makes a terror show and that's it's, why it's, it's the good. involvement it's, it's the no separation there's mm. no boundary like, yeah you come on with a band you just do that you just all fucking merge in one yeah. have a great time it's the whole sick of real thing yeah, my right. is your I, mean, I don't know how this shit is going to work with, in a covid world now you know, yeah. how traditional hardcore shows are going to work like that yeah. you know, with sweaty masses all bumping up against each other and it sounds kind of disgusting <laughs> sweaty people rubbing their bodies against each other it sounds like some lurid orgy from the 1970s film by like Andy Warhol yes keep sweating keep sweating but that's just what a hardcore show it, it is weird though if you watch like so we've been in lockdown you know in some sort of lockdown or Covid since fucking oh, March last year yeah so we're like 10 months in now yeah um you watch YouTube videos of hardcore shows and it gets a little bit, ooh, might I get a bit clammy, like sort of like, because yeah. there's people being up close and personal with each other. Yeah. And it's a bit uncomfortable. And you think, how, how's the world going to go back the, to that? The reality has changed incredibly quickly. Yeah. You know? How does the world go back to that? Though? I have no idea. Yeah. Um, it's like I had a job interview um, the day, literally the day lockdown was announced. Mm. Right? So I went for a job interview at 2 o'clock in the afternoon. Um, I had the interview, came out, it was in Merthyr, and I came out at like three, went back to the car, got in the car, and lockdown was announced, mm. and everything was starting to lock down while I was in the interview. Yeah. And I heard I got the job a couple of days later, but it was just like a start time because of COVID and stuff, you yeah, yeah, yeah. months. Um, but it's just, the way everything's changed, you know, you, it's just, I can't even begin to envision the world some, in some ways the way the world was before has become like a distant memory yeah 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 very much so like a faded dream almost yeah and how you approach the future which is why I'm saying like you know my dream of having my little cabin in the woods has become more and more amazing yeah for yeah. me yeah you know like, like cabin filled with books and yeah. a couple of dogs and very you know people want to visit fair enough couple like of sacks it. of coffee couple of <laughs> sacks of coffee couple of fucking packs of 12 packs of craft beer and some bourbon you know <laughs> no way you go and yeah and that's that, you know I'm quite happy to do that people can visit then if they want to yeah yeah know? but that would be my life and I, mm. I, would, hap- I, would, I would happily see my days out like that yeah no yeah, problem yeah. whatsoever yeah. and in Covid well that works yeah. yeah I do I mean yeah I like to think like, you know if Terra played tomorrow mm. I'd be there front and centre screaming my head off shouting into Scott's mic yeah but I, I don't think I, as much as I'd want I to. I know I wouldn't. Yeah, as much I as I want to. I can guarantee you that yeah. I absolutely wouldn't. My yes. spirit would. Right? Inside. Inside, you want to be there. Like. You want to be there, right? But yeah. I guarantee you, right, mm. that you wouldn't, the same way I wouldn't, because we're too worried about our families, too worried yeah, about our yeah, friends. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I'm not saying that terror would have anything, but it's... it's yeah, that goes for anything, yeah. But it's everybody who's there as well. Yeah, who yeah, Who wants yeah. to sing it that yeah. mic. Yeah. That's an awful thought, really. It is. Yeah, yeah. But so, it's a nice thought as well because I don't have fucking people touching me. Which, <laughs> uh, I'm very, yeah. yeah. I don't like people touching me. I, I really don't. I'm just <laughs> people phobic. And people are stupid anyway. But it's very apt we uh, we deep dive terror now because yeah. they recently dropped that EP. Fucking blinding EP. Christ Almighty! Right. Yeah. It just. <laughs> so you a know. big shout out to Andrew Klein at War Records because dude, you nailed it. You know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um. You know, you think you're a good hardcore, you, you hear these bands and it's sort of like, well, that was a good record, that was good. And then Terror drops them and you go... <laughs> Terror come along and go, oh, you think you've heard hardcore? Yeah. They say, have a touch of this. Or my beer. <laughs> yeah, literally. <laughs> yeah. 
Uh, and that's all they've been doing since uh, since one with the underdogs, the first one. Yeah, 